I just got a chance to meet Brad Nelson for the first time. And man, we hit it off. I talked to this guy like we are old friends on this episode of Unbeatable. And as you start to listen to his story, you're going to say, wow, I can't believe what this guy has gone through. But stick with me until we get to the end of this episode, because there is something in this episode that I challenge every single listener to do today because of what you're going to hear from Brad on this episode of Unbeatable. These stories of triumph over adversity will help you handle your toughest days in life and become unbeatable. And I just want to say a special thanks to the Solomon Foundation. With more than 7,000 investors, the Solomon Foundation is committed to helping the local church grow. And here's how they do it. If you partner with the Solomon Foundation, you're going to get an excellent return while you're making an eternal impact. So if what I just said sounds interesting to you, why don't you check them out at thesolomonfoundation.org. Now here's my interview with a new old friend, Brad Nelson. Hey, Brad, thank you for being with me on this episode of Unbeatable. Hey, thanks, Jeff. I appreciate it. I'm glad to be here, man. Man, it's good to be able to connect with a fellow podcaster, and this is your chance to be on the opposite side of the mic. Who knows how this thing goes? Maybe I'll do you a solid after we're done with this one. <laughs> That's right, man. It's it's always good. You know, podcasting has been, you know, just a great way to to be able to spread the message and the way that we're helping people. And and uh, but it's also fun to be on the other side. And you know, we yeah. we interview a lot of our members and the success that they've been having, and we bring on guests and stuff. And uh, but it's always good to get outside your comfort zone and let someone kind of push you with the questions a little bit. So I'm glad. All you're right. Here, <laughs> well, you and I have the exact same opinion about this. I don't do podcasting for my day job. It's my way of just helping people hear some of the amazing stories that I get a chance to hear. And I want the rest of the world to hear the incredible stories. So that's one of the reasons why I love doing this thing, man. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, I've listened to a couple of episodes that you got out there since we've been invited to be on, and uh, you got a lot of great guests that have come on. So uh, thank I'm hoping, you very hoping much. I live up to hoping I live yeah. up to this. <laughs> well, I hope you live up to it too. But based on what I've heard from you, you'll knock it out of the park, man. <laughs> um, hey, where do you live right now? Uh, what What's the weather like in hometown, wherever you're at? Yeah, so I'm uh, live just south of Milwaukee. Um, uh, born and uh, raised in Wisconsin, and so I'm like right between uh, Chicago and Milwaukee just uh, right on the border almost uh, between the two states and lived here my entire life. Uh, right now it's summer, so it's beautiful and uh, we don't get a long summer here. So it's, you know, it's nice and warm here in August. And, uh, you know, right now it's crazy. The kids are getting ready to go back to school already and we're all yeah. just dreading because I mean, right now as we're recording this, you know, the holiday shopping season and Christmas yeah. is yeah, like yeah. four or five sure. months from now. Yeah. <laughs> and that's just unbelievable. We're going to have white stuff flying real quick. So we're, we're trying to enjoy <laughs> the last bit of summer that we have. So I love camping. Uh, so we, we spend a significant amount of our time, uh, you know, at our, at our camper that we have and, uh, kids love it up there and, uh, it's just a great way to spend the summer. So, yeah. So I've been watching the weather up in those parts and I live way down in the Southern part of the United States. It's brutally hot and humid all year long, but I saw some really insane temperatures up your way not long ago. And I was thinking, People from way up in Wisconsin don't are not used to those kind of temperatures, man. Yeah, no question. Now I get lucky because I literally probably live a quarter mile from Lake Michigan, so we get for real. Yeah, oh yeah. You could we, throw a rock and we, land in the Great Lakes. Oh, just How about, about just about. Yeah, so we get 
the coolness of the lake in the summer. So when it's, you know, when you go about 20 uh, miles west of where we're at, it could be, awesome. it could be 95 there, but it's like 80 where we're at. So wow, that lake does us some pretty good, but also in the wintertime, they get the warmer part and we get the colder right. part, right? So I was about to say, you <laughs> got to be a cheesehead then. If, you oh, yeah. grew, if you've grown up in, for the rest of the audience around the world who doesn't know American football, anybody who knows U.S. football knows the Green Bay Packers and the famous cheeseheads. Um, of the, the, some of the, lo- the most loyal fans on the planet are the Green Bay Packers fans. And yes. you grew up close to Titletown, USA. Yeah, not too far, about two hours. Uh, been to plenty of Green Bay Packer football games. In fact, I was at Brett Favre's last home win game. It was a playoff game wow. against Seattle. It was a giant snowstorm. Uh, so much snow, you couldn't even see past the 50-yard line at the stadium. Uh, so, yeah, we've been to some pretty incredible games. In fact, the little football that's right behind me right here is Super Bowl 31 football, actually. Uh, yeah, used, which is look pretty at cool. that, man. Um, but, yeah, yeah, big Packer fan. And, uh, yeah, we, we live and die for that kind of stuff up here. <laughs> So you just said that you and Noah and Avery like to get out, get in the camper and go do some camping. Do you guys do it around there or do you travel all over the place? Uh, we travel. So we have uh, about four, it's probably about four or five years. Uh, we transferred over to more of a seasonal camping site. So uh, our camper stays parked essentially. And that way it's just always available. Uh, we realized all when right. we started camping, you know, when we got kids, camping becomes like a lot of work, right? And it's yeah. like, you know, you're traveling all over the place, you set up, you take down, and typically you're only going for maybe a two or a three, maybe a four-night weekend. And uh, it's a lot of work to set up and take down. So we eventually moved over to more of a seasonal site. Uh, the campground we stay at is very family-oriented. A lot of activities always going on. We got some uh, old high school friends that are seasonals up there now. And uh, oh, so we got cool. like this small little community of people that are up there, and it's always great just to get up there and hang out, let loose. The kids can run all over the place. And, and uh, it's been amazing, you know, we, where there's always this conversation with kids of getting them off technology. And I think camping is just a natural way of doing that because they yeah. just, they just, I don't even have to tell them to get off. Like they wake up and they're gone. They run, they're outside, they're in the pool, they're running all over with their camp friends. And uh, it's, it's pretty cool. Anybody who's familiar with your part of the country knows how beautiful it is up there. I asked you about camping because when I was a kid, no kidding, um, my, I went on a very short camping trip, but I went to the land between the lakes and basically that area in the, in the U S great lakes, kind of on the United States Canadian border. And this was many, many, many years ago, but I still remember some of the beautiful morning scenes. I remember, I'll never forget it. I'm canoeing in the water as the sun is coming up and there's a little bit of mist coming off of the water and no kidding, a bald Eagle swoops down, not a 50 yards in front of me and snatches a fish right out of the water and then just keeps right on going. And I was like, did I just see that for real? Or am I, am I hallucinating right now? It's so beautiful up there, man. Yeah, it is. Yeah. North, like the North woods, Northern Wisconsin, uh, upper peninsula of Michigan and all those areas that we've, that we've been up to. It's, uh, they call it God's country up there. It's, it is, it is awesome up there. Very beautiful. Lots. I mean, so many trees. I mean, it's just, it's awesome. Lots of lakes, lots of fishing. Um, and, uh, you're talking about just getting away. Like you feel like you're really away when you get up that way. So yeah, for the listeners all over the world that are looking for some place to get out and get in nature in the summer months in the Northern hemisphere, go to, um, Brad's part of the woods because you will love it up there. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Um, we're talking like old friends, but honestly, you and I just met five minutes before we started uh, this podcast today, but I've been doing a little bit of research about you, and I just want people to find out a little bit about your personal life, 
about your family before we get into your background and what you're doing now. So tell everybody about Noah and Avery and tell them how Avery's doing. And the reason I asked that question is because Avery really had a rough go of it when she was born. So ex- describe your family a little bit. Yeah, I've got, uh, I got two kids. Uh, so my oldest is uh, 13 and uh, he's from uh, my first marriage. My first marriage uh, ended a divorce and a uh, big reason for that, obviously, there were some some money issues and lots of other things that were happening there. But uh, uh, we got divorced when he was about two, and then uh, I eventually got remarried. Uh, to did he? My... Li- Sorry to interrupt. Did he live with you after the divorce, or oh, yeah. did he live? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, we have fifty-fifty custody. Yep, definitely. Uh-huh. Both parents are very involved. There's definitely a lot of good co-parenting going on there. Nice. Um, you know, initially, obviously, when you when you have a divorce, it gets a little challenging from a communication standpoint, yeah. admittedly. And I know if, if you've been divorced, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But uh, I'm fortunate enough to have that uh, a good relationship with my ex-wife, Kelly, and, and we both work really, really hard uh, for the benefit of Noah. And uh, of course, that has its ups and downs, just like any relationship does. Yeah, you know, sure. but, but for the most part, over the years, uh, we've really have committed to that. And uh you know, Noah's now getting to the age where, you know, he's able to to make decisions about, you know, where he goes and holidays, yeah. and, you know, if there's special things going on at mom's or special things going on at dad's. And, and we kind of let him make decisions and be a part of that. And I think it's important for him to be a part of that, especially as he gets older. Um, and now he's now he's getting to the point where he's 13. I mean, heck, in a couple of years from now, he gets his license. That kid will be all over the place. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's going, Prepare it's yourself going right now, man. You're about to have a driver uh, <laughs> oh, in, yeah. as a child. Yeah, it's going um, fast. Hey. And way to go, Kelly, for not allowing, you know, the divorce to just uh, pull Noah in many different directions. Way to go, uh, you know, to just make sure that you guys are both doing the right thing for him. Yeah, yeah. Um, And then so I got I eventually got remarried and uh, got married to uh, Sarah and we were married for uh, nearly nine years. And uh, we uh, Sarah, when we first initially got together, you know, she had told us told me that, you know, hey, if I plan on having any more kids that. She wasn't going to be the right choice because she just wasn't, it was going to be nearly impossible for her to have kids. And so she, when we first started dating and got together, it was one of, it was a very early on conversation because she wanted yeah. to just be open and transparent. She just wanted to say like, you know, based on your plans, you know, I just want to let you know kind of where I'm at and this is what it's going to be like. And, and I was kind of fine with that. I said, you know, if, if I'm going to be blessed with more kids, it'll happen. If not, that's okay too. Um, and sure. I kind of just, I kind of just let that go. And, uh, this Fast forward probably to, man, that was 2012, 2013. Fast forward about five, six years. Uh, my wife ends up having a, a procedure done. And uh, about three weeks later, uh, Boom. she was pregnant. <laughs> nice. And it's funny because, you know, we're, we're in the doctor's appointment about three months before this procedure. And this procedure was not fertility or anything related to yeah. that. Um, and they had said like, hey, guys, you guys are kind of looking at your late thirties, early forties. Now's the time to look at like, if you guys want to do fertility or if you guys want to, uh-huh. you know, try to have kids, now's the time to have those conversations. Cause it's getting to the point where we're kind of, we're kind of pushing the timeline here. And we both looked at each other and said, we're both comfortable with where we're at. Again, if, if it ends up happening, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And, uh, yeah, miracles happen. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so she ends up, uh, we end up getting pregnant and uh, we uh, had Avery says kind of a surprise. We just never expected that to be uh, happening. So it was very, a surreal pregnancy for the both of us just coming to the like i guess to the conclusion that we were actually going to have another child yeah, uh, yeah meanwhile we had gotten rid of just about everything that noah had from being a baby because sure. here we are we're of never going to have kids the doctor's yeah. telling us we're never going to have kids right it's like 
So now we have to start completely over, right? <laughs> we got to cribs and baby you gotta, stuff. That's right. You got to buy you know? all of the baby stuff all everything, over again. Right? A second everything. time. Yeah, everything. So uh, my wife had a completely healthy pregnancy. Uh, she she remained healthy. She exercised all the time, ate good. I mean, she did such a fabulous job in that pregnancy. And she was so excited uh, to be able to have Avery. And uh, being of Sarah's age, because he was in her late 30s, they were constantly doing in the last month. I think it was weekly. It might have gotten to bi-weekly where they were doing, wow. you know, yeah. uh, blood pressure monitoring yeah, and things yeah. like that because of her age. And uh, it was about two days, I think one or two days before she was going to be induced. And they saw her blood pressure spike a little bit. And so they're like, well, you're going to be here tomorrow anyways. We're just going to get started today because we don't like that. Uh, we're going to go ahead and get the process going. And uh, it was a long labor for her. And, uh, you know, they they did have to do, uh, they induced and, and had to get it going. And it was a good, man. 24, 30 hours. I mean, it was, it was a while. Oh my goodness. That's brutal. um, Yeah, it was a lot. And so, uh, when my daughter was born, uh, and there were no signs of this during the birth, uh, she had somehow lost oxygen in, uh, right before she was born. How long they don't know. Uh, they went back, looked at all the medical records. There's nothing that indicates that any oxygen was lost. Uh, but when they, uh, when Avery was born, they brought her out. They, because of the long labor, they also had a lot of the uh, NICU staff right there in the hospital yeah, room. There was yeah. probably, man, 10 people in that hospital room when Avery was born finally. And to us, you know, we weren't alarmed. You know, it was just kind of like they're just doing out of precaution and they kind of told us that. And so when they uh, when they took Avery, they did, I believe what they call is, a, I think it's called APGAR. It's an APGAR score they do. And she didn't score very well. And uh, to the point where they didn't even let us see her, they immediately took oh, her out. Oh, man, that's terrible. And uh, brought her up to NICU. And so at that point, you know, we're pretty scared. Like, what's going on? Uh, they again reassured us that they're just doing it out of precaution. Uh, a little later in the afternoon, uh, the she was born, I think around 1030-ish. And it was early afternoon by the time they finally had gotten back to us about what was going on. And uh, they were starting to tell us that they were showing signs of seizures. And typically when there are signs of seizures, it means, you know, there's definitely a lack of yeah, oxygen. Yeah, seizures and an, and, a, and an infant is not good. Not good, yeah. So... Obviously, they test the umbilical cord for oxygen and and all of the gases that are in there, and those tests did not come back very well. And in the first 24 hours of her life, she had about 24 to 30 seizures. And um, we finally were able to go up and see her later that day, finally. And uh, she was was doing well. She's moving and hanging out and uh, doing all the normal kind of baby things, but uh, there were definitely a lot of concerns with the possible uh, possibility of, you know, brain damage and things that had happened because of the lack of oxygen. And so uh, it took a couple of days for them to do really any sort of testing uh, because they, they had to give her medicine. They had to give her medicine. They had to make sure that she was uh, able to be sustained through some of the testing and things that they had to do. And I think it was about day three when they finally were able to do some MRIs, you know, and, and look at the, the extents of what we were looking at. And on day four, I'll never forget, they brought us into this white office and, and basically had told us that she had suffered a very significant brain injury. and During labor. During labor, yeah. yeah. And we, we should be prepared that she will not live a normal life. She will um, likely be in wheelchairs. Uh, she And I'll remember the doctor specifically saying these things. She'll, she'll never play football. I don't know why he mentioned football, but he did. She'll never do dance classes. She'll never, um, you know, she'll never go to a normal school. You know, you guys need to be prepared for that. And so, I mean, he laid it out there and it was very cold and very scary. 
you know, to hear those words. And uh, both me and my wife were just at a loss. You know, it's like, how does this happen? You know, how do we have a yeah. completely healthy pregnancy? No signs of anything, not even during the labor. And then all of a sudden, this kind of thing happens. And so uh, our lives changed very, very quickly. And uh, the beautiful thing is that the miracle started working immediately. They kind of suspected that they were going to have Avery in that NICU probably for at least yeah. six to eight weeks. She ended up getting out in nine days. And wow. the, a yeah. big part of the success of getting her out was getting her to be able to eat, obviously making sure the seizures were under control. And uh, we started therapy with her soon after that. In fact, they started doing therapy right away when she was still in the NICU, even being days old, which I thought was pretty phenomenal from a medical standpoint. It's like you get yeah. therapy on babies. Yeah. It's crazy. Wow. And so, um, you know, obviously as a parent, you know, you go through all these thoughts of, you know, this is going to be life changing. I remember, I remember telling my wife, it's like, you know, is she ever going to get married? Is she ever going to experience, you know, a normal teenage life? Is she ever going to be able yeah, to drive? Right. Is she ever going to be able to do those things? I remember Sarah looking at me and she says, that's not going to be our Avery. It's not going to be, I don't care what they say. That's not going to be her. And, uh, so we started the long process of getting her help. And, uh, we have a birth to three program here in uh, Wisconsin. Obviously a lot of States have these types of programs with kids with disabilities. So they started coming to the house immediately started doing, um, you know, physical therapy, OT yeah. therapy, obviously at her age at that point, they weren't doing any sort of speech or anything like that. But, um, you know, the therapies began right away. We started seeing neurologists and all the doctor's appointments and all of these types of things in that first six months. It was a lot. Medical bills were a lot. Like it was, it was just a lot to take on all at once. Um, but, uh, we continue to press forward and, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about money and finance here in a second, but I think a big reason why we were able to kind of really put as much effort as we did into that is number one, we both ran our own businesses. We both were financially uh, debt free and we could take the foot off the gas pedal of work and all of that other stuff and focus on our kids and focus yeah. on her and really give her the help that she needed. And she never was in daycare. We never had to take her to daycare. We were always so thankful for that. But a big reason for that is, is because of the work that we put in. Right. You know, we didn't have to go to day jobs. So we constantly took care of her. If my wife was working, I was taking care of her. If I was working, she was taking care of her. And so we were always getting her what she needed. And so I think that personal care obviously played a significant role in, in obviously her ongoing success. And, yeah. and it's been like that even up to this day. You know, Jeff, I'm, I'm getting ready to send her to 4K. She's going to be a full-time student right. coming up here in three nice. weeks. Nice. And, uh, this you gotta be freaking time. out about that uh, just a little bit. She's been in school that last year she was in school. She was just part-time this year. She's yeah. going to be full-time. And, um, you know, to hear that, that doctor said she'll never be a part of a normal school. Yeah. She can be in a normal yeah. 4k program. Oh man. And, that's awesome. And in three weeks, she's going to start that. And this will be, this will be the first time in, in nearly five years that I've had this much time in my day that she's going to go back to school now. Yeah. I'm, I'm a little worried about what I'm going to do with all that time. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so can you kind of explain what her condition's like today? How, how, yeah. um, so the how actual, bad is she impacted by this today? Yeah. So the actual in? diagnosis that she had when she was a baby is called a hypoxic ischemic encephalopathy, which is a fancy is way a of just saying. a lot of words that are yeah. really long. Right. But, it, took, it took me a long time to pronounce that. <laughs> <laughs> to learn how. And uh, yeah. it basically what it means is, you know, they lost oxygen and there was a brain injury. The brain didn't get oxygen. Yeah. Correct. And so this type of diagnosis is what causes things like cerebral palsy, epilepsy, mm -hmm. um, neurological disorders, and things like that. Uh, she has been diagnosed with uh, left-sided spastic cerebral palsy. Uh, to anyone that didn't know her story, they would never know that she has it. Really? 
Yeah. Uh, the only area of physical concern that we have at this point, we've been working really hard over this for the last five years, is her left arm and her left hand. Uh-huh. Uh, the the fine motor coordination of the left hand is is lacking uh, where it should be, but she has come a long way, and we have full confidence that eventually she'll be able wow. to have real at least enough mobility to live a normal life without having any real major uh, issues or challenges with it. Um, she's catching balls, she's throwing, she's, you know, she's doing all of the things that, you know, that she should be doing with that. Um, so, so right now the ongoing, you know, um, regimen is just constant therapies. Uh, these last back this past summer, these last three weeks, especially with five therapy appointments a week right now, we do speech therapy because she is delayed in speech right now, which they told us, Uh you know, expect that, you know, when kids have to go through this and their brains are still developing, they can't attack everything all at once. So they're going to focus. They focus yeah. on the physical side, and they said be prepared for the speech to be a little delayed, which it's been. But she's coming a long way with that. Awesome. Um, and she's making significant progress in that area as well. So, yeah, two speech therapy appointments a week, two OT appointments per week, and then uh, sometimes those are even doubled up. So it gets it gets a little crazy. Um, but, uh, you know, it's just been a priority for us. It's like, look, yeah. we're going we're gonna to give her every opportunity to succeed. And, uh, again, the way that we've managed our finances – our lifestyle, the decisions that we have made. Um, I couldn't be more thankful to be in the position that I'm in to be able to give the care that she needs because yeah. if it was any other way, I, I, I just don't know that we would be in the same position in, that we're in right now. Well, tell me that you guys defied the doctors and her and Noah were out in the backyard throwing that Super Bowl football around <laughs> just to defy the doctors. Tell me that that happened. Oh, yeah. We we definitely have. Yeah, there's no question. So many people have Heck seen her. And they're yeah, just that's like, what I'm we, talking about. We just can't even explain it. We just don't we just don't get it. And uh, well, it's like miracles can't be explained, you know, and she is one. We're, she is one. So what we're going to do in just a couple of minutes is we're going to get deep into debt-free dad and what you're doing now. But what I'm trying to do, Brad, is just help people understand, man, not only are you an ordinary dude, but you're an ordinary dude that's gone through some pretty intense stuff along the way. Yeah. And I think this is the perfect time to tell, let you tell the audience, like your life would have been hurt. Her care, Avery's care, your life would have been very different if you guys were working an hourly job, making it paycheck to paycheck, couldn't take away time off of work because I don't know if I'm going to be able to pay the rent if I do that, which is where most people live in our society. And then when life throws a curveball like you guys got, didn't see this one coming at all. Right. But when Avery showed up and life throwed you a curveball through you, look, I just mutilated the English language. When life threw you a curveball, you guys were in a position where you could react to it financially. Yeah. And man, I don't think things would have been that way for you if it wasn't for the financial position that you were in. Yeah. Yeah. There's no way. And I think that's, you know, that's, that's one of the things that we try to do here at Defrey Dad is like, look, you know, we're just a normal household. We're a normal family. We've got normal life challenges, just like everyone else has faced. In fact, probably even more so than most typical families have faced. Totally agree. Um, Yep. You know, Jeff, I lost, I lost my wife. She passed away uh, coming up here uh, five months ago and uh, had dealt with a lot of mental health challenges and um, not to the point where it was dangerous or there were concerns, but uh, to the point where, you know, there was definitely some help that was needed and she was seeking out that help. But unfortunately, she got put on some medications that has some, some really severe and significant side effects. And uh, I do want to mention that on the show because if you're someone who is looking at 
medications and psychiatric medications and things like that. You know, it's it's especially important to talk to close friends and family and a trusted person Definitely. that you can work with to to tell them about things that you are taking because these types of medications can be great for some and devastating for others. Right. And um, back early part of this year, my wife unfortunately uh, committed suicide, and yeah. uh, it was a shock. My wife was one of the most amazing people you would ever meet. And um, people just loved her. She was the light for so many people. And to see how something like this can happen to somebody like that is pretty unbelievable and tragic. Yeah. And uh, even before my wife, you know, before she came my wife, she, you know, she was my friend. She's my best friend. And, uh, you know, that's tough. And to see someone go through something like that. So if you have family, if you have people that are out there that are struggling with mental health, mental health is a very real disease. You know, what I oh, witnessed man. Absolutely. my wife go through, and a lot of people don't sometimes recognize that it really is a real thing. What I witnessed my wife go through is no different than, say, someone who went through a very bad cancer diagnosis. Yeah, yeah. Her whole being changed, her mind, her physical part of her just like anyone with a sickness would go through. You could see it. Like it was there. Like it wasn't invisible. And uh, so, you know, if you're out there and you are you're you have family and people struggling with this, it is just a very real thing. And our families dealt with it. And uh, I'm now having to rebuild my life. You know, my wife and I worked so hard at building the life that we have now. Right. And when all of this happened, it was like, it was like a shock. You know, it's like, how do yeah. I even start over? You know, how do I... How do I get going again? You know, when everything that we had was a together thing, the businesses that we created, the dreams that we had, the decisions that we were making, you know, it's like, how do you, how do you move forward? And, um, you know, I'm, I'm working through that. I'm, I'm definitely in a much better place now <laughs> than I was say five, six months ago. And, uh, you know, I've, I've come to accept a lot of things, uh, with this situation and working through it. Uh, one of those being and recognizing that it's just going to suck for a while. And that's yeah, okay. Yeah. You know, a lot yeah. of people avoid the sadness and the tragedy of it. I'm accepting it. I'm welcoming it with open arms and just realizing that that's part of the journey of, of grieving and part of the journey of moving forward and figuring this out. And uh, again, going back to the money side of things, you know, for someone to like my wife, I mean, in a lot of cases, uh, you know, she made more money than me too. You know, she ran her own business. She was very successful. So you had a sugar mama is what you're <laughs> yeah, telling yeah, me. We certainly did. Yeah, we certainly did. And, and she, she did very well for herself, very successful person. And so losing an income is devastating for a family. And, uh, but being again, that we were debt free outside of our mortgage, we had our, uh, financial stuff together. Uh, this was again, a storm that I have been able to weather and be able to get through with, uh, very little financial stress. Uh, another thing I will just let your audience know, if you don't have it, go get yourself some life insurance today. Yeah, you know, definitely. this is, this stuff happens, you know, I'm 43, my wife is 42. This stuff happens all the time. And, uh, whether it's, you know, suicide or car accidents or just, you know, health illness, you know, it's just like this stuff's happening and 40% of Americans don't have life insurance. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, just go out, get yourself some basic term life insurance. It's inexpensive, Absolutely. you know, just, just get yourself some life insurance because, and people say, well, I don't want to do that because it's a scary topic. It's not for you. This is a hug That's to your right. family yeah. Yeah. because they're going to be the ones left with the financial mess when you leave, not you. It's for your family. So if you love your family, if you have someone depending on your income, this is for them. 
And that's, you got to go get it. It's been so helpful to us and our family not having to worry even more so because we had life insurance and all that stuff taken care of. You're going to think I'm making this up, but literally last night at the dinner table, my wife and I were telling our 21 year old daughter, go get life insurance. And she was saying, I'm young. I don't, I'm not married. I don't have a family. Like why? And I was like, the reason why is because it is so insanely expensive to do anything with somebody after they pass. And you're doing that not for yourself, but you're doing that for me, for your mother, for the people that are closest to you. Because I have watched many, many people go into bankruptcy or totally devastated because the sole provider of the family passed away with no life insurance and nothing to cover the cost of the arrangements. And then the family spent, and this isn't an exaggeration, 25, 35, $55,000 trying to bury or cremate and, you know, take care of the remains that they didn't have. And now they're destitute for many years because of it. Yes. Everyone listening needs to have life insurance. Even if you have no one that's depending on you for income, go get life insurance. You got As Brad just said, as a hug to your family. Yeah. And it's not even so much just the final cost. It's just, you know, when you're taking care of your, uh, you know, a significant other or a family member or even a friend's after affairs, that stuff takes time. You know, it oh, takes man. months to kind of get through a lot of, you know, everyone else goes yeah. on with their life that goes to the funeral, right. they say goodbye, they go on with their life. But for, for you, I mean, it takes a significant amount of time. You're going to have to take time off work. You got to go to the banks. Yeah. You got to get things switched. I mean, it is like a full-time job. The legal nightmare you know? that goes yeah. along with it. Yeah. We don't even want to talk about wills and all that stuff. Sure. Make sure you got oh, some of man. that stuff I could, too. You know what? I <laughs> could know? tell you all about it because when I was 18 years old or when I was telling young 18-year-old guys in the army, get a will. I don't care if you want one or not. Go get one. That way I don't have to fool with what happens next. The guys that worked for me when I was in the army, I don't have to fool with what happens next. Your family knows exactly what you want to happen. In fact, we ask guys to fill out such details that if they were to get killed in action, everyone knew exactly what was supposed to happen when and where and why. And it was a huge relief to the families to know this is exactly what they wanted. We're going to do what they wanted. It's great advice. Um, Can we go back to Sarah for a minute? Yeah. The the listening audience knows, and, and, and I just got to tell you, man, thank you, Brad. We, we talked about this for 30 seconds before we started uh, recording today. And I asked you, is it okay to talk about Sarah? Because this is very, very fresh and very raw for you. Right. The listening audience, if you've tuned in to more than one or two episodes, we talk about mental health all the time. We talk about suicide all the time around here. And I don't even bring it up. The guests always bring it up. And what we've said repeatedly, I think this is probably the most common theme in this podcast is when you're going through rough times, you are going to struggle emotionally and psychologically. And when that moment happens, you are insane for not reaching out to get help. What we say around here is that mental health is a very real thing and you need people, sometimes professionals that will come alongside you to help you get through it. Because to this day, some of the most powerful and the most memorable episodes that I've done is guys like you, whose wife was the beauty queen, had everything that life could offer, and on the surface looked like she was totally fine. And then when he comes home from work, 
she bought a pistol and had already taken her own life and he never saw it. No one saw it coming because yeah. she was struggling and right. didn't reach out for help. So I'm telling the audience again for the untold number of times, if you're struggling, the smartest thing you can do, the strongest thing you will ever do is admit to somebody, I'm low, I'm weak, and I need help. That's the strongest thing you'll ever do. Trying to muscle through it on your own will never, ever work. Yeah. Trust me, from somebody who has been around the toughest guys on the planet, yeah. those guys all reach out for help when they're struggling. Yeah. And I would I would add to that because my, and I want to say, my, my wife was seeking out help. She was. She wasn't. And she didn't try to ignore it. Yeah, you know, she, we, we she were was working some on medication and some yeah, help. Yeah, we were sure. getting on help. The, the thing I will just say on the medications is ask questions. Push these professionals. Yeah. Make sure you're getting the questions answered. Don't just start taking pills because they said, yeah, take these. Look them up. Do the research. You know, and I'm, again, I'm not to say that all these medications are bad because sometimes they do wonders for people, but also they can be devastating for some people as well. And you just want to make sure that you're doing your due diligence. And again, have a partner, have a spouse, get a friend involved, someone that you can trust and that you can talk to with some of these things about how you're feeling before and after you start taking a lot of these medications. My wife was on a very basic medication called Adderall, 10 milligrams. Most adults are on 40, 50, 60, 70 milligrams. She was only on 10 milligrams of Adderall. And she experienced what they call as Adderall psychosis. And it basically caused hallucinations and delusional thinking and lots of other issues and 10 milligrams is all it took. So it doesn't have to be someone who's abusing it. She wasn't abusing it. She wasn't overtaking it. It was just had a negative side effect on her. And unfortunately it got to the point where it was too late where we could not pull her out of this hole yeah. that she had got herself into. And we did everything. We got her help, partial hospitalizations. Like we took her to therapy. Like we were doing everything. We did all the right care. things, right? And even the professional said, she doesn't need to be babysat. That's what they told me two weeks before yeah. this happened. She doesn't need to be babysat. She's good. She's going to work her way through this. You just need to support her. And that's exactly what I did. Two weeks later, this tragedy happened. So even the professionals can get it wrong sometimes. So do your due diligence. Ask questions. If you don't like the opinion you're getting, get another person's. Yeah. You know, you make sure you're working through some of this stuff. Take it seriously because it's a very real thing. Um, and thank you, by the way, for just being so real and so honest about it. Just a few minutes ago when you were talking about Sarah, I could hear the emotion in your voice. Yep. And the truth is this is supposed to hurt and it's supposed to hurt for a long, long time. And some of the hurt will never go away. It will just oh, yeah. get a little bit more manageable in the future. Yeah, for sure. I, I loved, uh, I, I saw a, a TikTok, I'm on TikTok and I saw a Billy Bob Thornton one and he talked about the sadness of losing his brother. And he says, um, you know, I don't look at that sadness as a bad thing. He's like, I'm always going to be sad when I think about my brother because he was that big of a part of my life. And that's going to be the same yeah. thing for my wife. There's always going to be sadness there because I miss her. You know, she was my best friend. She's my partner for so long. You know, I don't think that's ever going to go away. And I think sometimes we look at sadness as a negative thing. Sometimes it's just recognition of how important that person was in your life. And that's going to be how it's going to continue probably for the rest of my life. Yeah. So I'm going to just do the math for the audience right now. What they've just heard is that you right now today are still grieving over losing a wife and you are a single father of two children and a special needs child at that. And to be honest, what you're going through right now is more than most people are emotionally or psychologically capable of handling. But financially, 
the average person in our country, the overwhelming majority of the people in our country are not at all capable of being able to handle a special needs child by myself because of the, the relentless amount of hours I have to put in at work to pay the bills. So now let's transition for a second. I want you to talk to a younger Jeff, because when my wife and I got married, we're high school sweethearts. Um, I had been in the army for a few years and I had accumulated a little debt, credit card debt. She had very limited amount of debt, but she had a little bit of student loans. And when we came together, we didn't have two pennies to rub together. The only thing that we brought together in marriage is a lot of bills and to this day, I remember the crushing weight of having that debt over my shoulders. In fact, I would take two weeks vacation from the army and go spend it literally doing manual labor around town, trying to make a little bit of extra money during those two weeks just to be able to pay off a bill. And man, to this day, I will never, ever get myself in the position where I have to live under that kind of crushing weight that debt puts on a person. So why did you start Debt-Free Dad? When did you start it? And what was the original goal behind it? Yeah, so um, I kind of had the same, a little bit of the same experience that you did. And it's funny, Jeff, after working with thousands of people over the years now, a lot of us have that same start. All of us have you know, the same starts, story, right? Start yeah. small. No, like I haven't met one person that that has been like, you know, I I destroyed my financial life on purpose. <laughs> like, no, <laughs> you know, we all go into debt with the best of intentions, right? Like, you know, I'm just gonna get this credit card. I'll be responsible with it. I'm not gonna overuse it, right? Uh, or, you know, I'm gonna get this car. I'm gonna pay it off as fast as possible. Or, you know, we we sell ourselves these ideas sure. that you know, everything's going to work out perfect. Well, <laughs> life, as far as we right. just described it, is not perfect, right? And and these things happen. So we go into this stuff with the best of intentions. And so many of us have a lot of similar stories. In fact, I tell my members, it's like, there usually isn't a person who I do a one-on-one -on -one coaching call with that shocks me with their story because I've already heard yeah. it from somebody sure. else. Sure, everybody, yeah, exactly. You know, All of us but, are going through that. Right, but money is such a taboo topic in this country. You know, we don't talk about it. We're so ashamed, we're embarrassed. You know, especially with the onset of social media and the popularity of just, you know, trying to represent this perfect life and you got to figure it figured out and you got all this fancy stuff. And it's like, but behind closed doors, you know, six, almost seven out of 10 houses are just one paycheck, two paychecks away from financial disaster. Yes, that's right. And, and that's yeah. the reality. But here we all are faking it, right? <laughs> it's like, where are we going to all just wake up and be open to talking about that? A lot of us are just handling our money very poorly. And I used to be one of them too. And so I had to start very much just like you. And uh, I just kind of got sick and tired of feeling that way. As I worked my way through my early 20s, very much like you, I worked two jobs. I had fell for this idea that renting was a sin. So I bought myself a fixer-upper house, which was a terrible idea because I had no money to fix it up. So I went further into debt, including borrowing yeah, $5,000 right, from my grandmother. Everything is going to break in a fixer-upper. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And so I, I just, you know, we you make more money and you get bigger credit cards. You get bigger cars and bigger more expensive debt. car payments, yeah. right? Yeah. You know, you're just, you know, you're constantly, you're like, when I make more money, I'll, I'll, I'll save more. No, you don't. You're just, your lifestyle just keeps creeping up, right? That's exactly what happened to me. And finally I got to my, my early thirties and, uh, my first wife, Kelly, you know, we had our son Noah and I was just like, man, I just, I don't want to live like this anymore. I'm, I'm, I'm house broke. I'm living in a brand new house that the, the mortgage was just crushing us and yeah. we had these car payments and these credit cards. I barely had any money in savings. And I'm just like, now I got this kid daycare at that time was like seven, 800 bucks a oh, month. Yeah, and I'm just course. like, 
how, how, like how, how, how do people do it? Right. Yeah. Go on like this. Like, cause I can't do the same more. So, um, you know, when our, our marriage did not work out and we ended up getting divorced, we ended up losing that house to foreclosure. And that for me was kind of the nail oh, in the man. coffin Yeah, because that was, that was embarrassing. You know, here I am, you know, again, I fell for that, you know, I, I want to look good and look like I'm successful and have this, you know, picture perfect life where we've got it all figured out. We didn't have anything figured out. So, you know, it was a huge blow to the ego. And, you know, they post foreclosures in the newspaper, you know, it's, it's public. <laughs> so your it's public, name is in right? the paper. Yeah. Right. You know, so, so at that point it's like, okay, I, I'm getting a fresh start here. I'm going to do this different. I got to figure this out. And I, I mostly, there's two reasons. Number one, I wanted to be, I wanted to be a better example to Noah and I wanted to be and show him how to do this stuff because I didn't want him to struggle like I did. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Work was not an issue for me. Making money was not an issue for me. I knew how to be a hard worker. I, I put in good work. I was a quality employee. Like, Making the money wasn't the problem, it was managing it. And I wanted to be able to teach him how to do it the right way. And number two is I, I wanted to be able to run my own business one day. I, I was not a fan of always being told what to do. And, you know, always living with somebody else's plan and goal and dream. And all you're doing is helping them live that, which is fine for a while because I think you got to put in your dues. Yeah, but, absolutely. You know, at some point, though, it's like I want to go out and do my own thing and I want to have control over my own destiny. I didn't know what that looked like yet. It certainly wasn't doing this. I'll tell you that. <laughs> right. Really? All but right. it was, but it was something, it was something I, I didn't know what it was, but I just wanted to have the opportunity to do it. And that is what financial freedom gives you. It's opportunity and choices for things that you don't even know that are coming down the road that you can now say yes to because you've taken care of your financial life. That's huge. Talk about hope, right? And that one day something else could come down the road and I could say yes. But so many people are living paycheck to paycheck. They can't even give themselves the opportunity to say yes. So as I got myself out of debt, I'm starting to share this stuff with people. Like, I'm like, this is life changing. Like I've got money. It, it really like, is. Yeah, man. You know? It was life changing for me too. Yeah, it is. You know, I was like, I've got money. I can do things like I've got no stress. Like this is amazing. So people just started asking me for help. They're like, so how did you do it? Like I'm struggling with a lot of the same things that you were. And so what I started to do was just helping people on the side. I didn't do it for money. I was just saying, Hey, this is the things that we were doing. And then they started to have success. And that's what I fell in love with was helping people help yeah. themselves and change their right. life. It wasn't the money. It was that it was helping them change their life. And so I got this crazy idea that maybe I could do a business out of this because I was starting to fall in love with it. And uh, everyone told me I was crazy. That'll never work. No one's going to, no one's going to buy financial coaching. No one's going to do that. No one, no one, what is, no one even knows right. what that Nobody means. wants that. Like, Nobody you know, even right? knows what it means. That's exactly <laughs> right, right. Right. And don't get me wrong. There's plenty of people that don't want that, but there's also a good amount of people that do. And, uh, and so, I kind of decided to start small. I, I opened up, started doing one-on-one -on -one coaching, and I realized very quickly, like, I'm teaching a lot of the same things over and over again. And people are paying a higher premium for that one-on-one -on -one time. What if we created more of a membership program? And what if we consolidated a lot of this content that we're teaching over and over again? We put this into a program. People go through it on their own. They get coaching from me on a weekly basis. We keep in touch with them for support and accountability. And that's what built our program called Roots Personal Finance. And we opened that up going on seven years ago now. Um, Tell everybody the name of the program again. It's, it's called Roots of Personal Finance. All and right. a lot of people ask, you know, the first thing they ask was, how is this different than say like, you know, like a Dave Ramsey Financial yeah. Peace University or, you know, all these other programs that are out there. And I think the big thing that separates what we do and what other, what those places do is, is really the intimate group that we have because we're much smaller. Uh -huh. And we also offer a ton of support and accountability. So being that I'm a normal guy, 
I have normal challenges, normal things. We're talking about normal things that are happening. I'm not a half a billionaire, right? I'm not speaking in this ivory tower up here yeah, and, and right. you know, have all of this real estate. I'm just, I'm not one of those financial guys. I'm a normal guy. I live in a normal house. I drive normal cars. We do normal things just like normal families. And here we are not stressing about money. Let me show you how to do it. And that's what we're doing. And, um, We've been doing this now again. Uh, business has been open since uh, 2015-ish, but Roots has been open six, seven years now. Yeah. And since then, we've helped people save and pay off tens upon tens of millions of dollars, which I never would have believed. And people not only in the United yeah. States, people in Canada, people in the UK. Uh, we've had people uh, in South Africa. I mean, we've had people in Greece, uh, people joining this program. And it's helping people all over the world now, which I never expected. Um, but it's been a lot of fun yeah. to be able to be help those people. So that's kind of in a nutshell how it all kind of started and got us to where we are today. That's beautiful, man. One of the reasons why I wanted you to describe Avery, to describe Sarah, to describe even taking family vacations in the campers, because I wanted them to hear, man, Brad is just a regular guy like me. And he's actually gone through some really crazy hard stuff along the way. He's not an accountant. He's not a stockbroker or a former banker. He's a guy who just got serious about this and now has helped other people get serious about it. And I read the numbers, man. You're talking tens of millions of dollars worth of debt yeah. that you've helped people write, write off the books. Listen, there's some national leadership that you need to talk to around the world that could use some of your advice because uh, uh, the difference that you're making in people's lives. Yeah, I appreciate that, Jeff. Thank you, man. There was a point, I, I, I wish, man, you could tell your listeners this on your show, I wish I could capture a moment. I don't know how to capture it. And I have no idea how to communicate this moment to everybody else. But really my entire life, I grew up under a strain financially. My wife and I got married. I said, we, we brought our debt together and it was brutal. And then there was a moment where we both just sat down and we got serious and we ran across a guy by the name of Ron Blue and Larry Burkett. And we decided, man, I'm just going to listen to these guys. Maybe they can help us. We started yeah. doing a couple of things. Long story short, we got out of debt and I will never forget the month after we got out of debt. I can't even describe for people what that felt like, but there was a month where I didn't have to worry about whether or not we were going to go under because of an unexpected bill. I'll, I'll never forget the first transmission that I replaced after being out of debt. And I didn't think, I didn't bat an eye. I didn't blink twice. I got the money in the bank. I don't need to buy a new car. I need to spend three grand to replace the transmission. Yeah. Boom. Here's three grand, knock it out. And I didn't lose a moment of sleep. And what I learned, Brad, is if I could replicate that for the rest of the world, no one really did an adequate job of describing just how good financial freedom feels yeah. Because I didn't understand how crushing that weight of debt was until I got out from underneath it. Yeah. And that's the moment my wife and I both said, never again, never yeah. again will we do this to ourselves. What I feel like now is very different than what we felt like our entire lives because we always had this black cloud of death, debt. I just said death, but it felt like that. Yeah. Black <laughs> cloud of debt hanging over our head. And man, I wish every listener would step up and sign up for your program for no other reason than to just feel what we felt 
being yeah. able to have the money in the bank to replace the transmission on a minivan when it went out and didn't blink an eye at it yeah. because it's in the bank and I don't have any bills. So sure, replace the transmission. No problem. Yeah, it's pretty life-changing. I think what we're dealing with, though, is in a lot of cases is the societal norm of paycheck-to-paycheck living. Some people just have not even had the thought or the light bulb go off that financial freedom is available to me as a normal family. It sure is. Now, do you have to do some things different than most people are doing? Can you follow the herd? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. not. Yep. I'll you got to do too. some different Absolutely things. Absolutely not. Yep. You, know, you got to be willing to do that, but you can make different choices as a family. And even if you don't want to live completely debt-free, fine, but you can improve your finances. And 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 Jeff, that's the most fun part about my job. It's the payoff numbers are fantastic. You know, there. I just had a Roots member on and uh, interviewed her. She just became debt-free. She said her goal was to be debt-free by 60. She saved and paid off $70,000 in 18 months, just under two Oh, years. that's incredible, man. And to to hear her voice now compared to when she joined, it, people don't understand not only the financial implications and how much it's going to improve your finances, but the ripple effect that it has on your life, how it, how it affects your relationships, how it affects your parenting, how it affects your performance at your job, how you show up differently in your life because you no yeah. longer are spending so much emotional energy worrying about money day in and day out. You know, you now get to take that time and put it towards more important proactive things in your life. And it's amazing just the upgrade that you get. Yeah. Um, and, and you're speaking to that. And I think, you know, those are the most amazing wins that we hear is that, Brad, I no longer have any stress. I have hope. You know, we have a plan. This saved my marriage. Huge. Not even money related. Yeah. I can't you tell know? you the number of people that their marriage would not be around today if it wasn't for getting out of debt and not having the stress of, of finances pulling them apart. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I would say, I, I think that is that those are the biggest payoffs. It's the feeling side. It's the, it's the stress-free living. It's waking up and not have to worry about debt. It's going to bed and not having to lose sleep that you don't know how you're going to pay your bills. Uh, it's crazy the statistics about how many people worry about their, their money at work. It, it's, I forget what the hours that are lost every week, but it's hours every week that are lost at work because people are worried about their finances. Um, right now, you know, they say 52% of people uh, contribute personal finance problems to the number one cause of their mental health problems right now. 52%. Yeah, 52, and more than half. Huh. More than half, more than half. So it's like, you know, if we could just get more people to to start taking this stuff seriously, even though, you you know, it's easy to point the blame at inflation or whoever's in the White House or your job or your career or your income you still have the most control over your financial success Absolutely. by, by yeah. making different choices and changing habits and, and uh, making better decisions. And, and if you can do that and get yourself around like a winning group and environment that can support you along the way, it's amazing the differences that we see in just normal everyday people just like you and I, Jeff. Well, I'm going to tell the audience, this is not an infomercial today. I believe in this. And just like Brad said, man, this is not for the faint of heart. You're going to have to live different you're going to have to do stuff different. I remember very distinctly, it took my wife and I almost two years of extreme sacrifice in order to get out of debt. Absolutely. And looking back on it a month later, I would have done it if it took 10 years because of what it felt like after I found some financial freedom. So it's not easy. It's not for the faint of heart. Even with help, it's hard. Yeah. It's, I, I admittedly, it is, I mean, outside of the personal struggles and things and, and journeys that I've gone through, it is it is one of the hardest things I've ever had to do in my life. And, um, you know, getting out of debt is, is no joke. You have to go against what most people are doing with their finances, and that's not easy. And, and um, as, 
especially for the U.S. audience, you are going to have to live entirely contrary to our entire system, our entire culture and our society, because all of it is pulling you to spend it all and to spend more than you even bring in. Yep. Um, you got it. But the, but the reason why, and here's what I'm just going to do. And I, and, and I didn't even talk to Brad about this, man. I'm going to ask every single listener, if you're in debt, go through roots of personal finance. And here's why you really cannot be unbeatable. And I mean this, you cannot be unbeatable when life throws you a curveball if you don't have some financial margin in your life. And most people don't have any. In fact, most people, yeah. one small, simple problem can be life altering because I don't have the finances to react to it. Man, yeah. Absolutely. If you really want to be unbeatable, if you really want to handle what's coming around the corner that you and I can't even see right now, you've got to get financially healthy and not only financially, not only out of debt, but you've got to get at least a little bit set aside for the rainy day, the unknowns that are going to show up in life, the transmission yeah. that goes out. And I got enough in the bank to pay for a transmission. So I don't even have to worry about it. Write a check put it on the, the, uh, you know, use the debit card. Cause I got it in the bank to pay for it. Right. And yeah. if you want to be unbeatable, it will not happen. If you're under a crushing load of debt, that's why Brad's on this episode. So Brad, I just told everybody sign up. So tell me or tell them how they can sign up. Yeah. I appreciate struggling. that. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, you can go to our website. And again, if you're not quite ready to sign up, that's totally okay. You know, sometimes it takes a, an immense amount of energy to make a big change in personal finances. Money money plays a big role in your life. And uh, you yeah, can go to our website, go to uh, therealdebtfreedad.com. We also have secured, finally, the domain for debtfreedad.com. But depending on when All this right. episode airs, that will be there as well. Heck uh, yeah. But yes, therealdebtfreedad.com. You can head over there. Not only are you going to find roots there, but you'll also find a free workshop that you can get started with that's going to talk about some really great getting started uh, tips, things that you can get going with. We're going to give you some free worksheets to get started with to make it less overwhelming. Like, hey, it's free. Go give this a test drive. Go try some of this stuff. Like, it's working for normal people. The other thing is, is we have the Deaf Dad podcast, which we have over 180 episodes right now that we've been doing for the last three or four years. So much great information there. If you just want to listen and find some great tips, we've got five people on this podcast. We've got a millionaire on this podcast by practicing the things that we are talking about. Uh, I've got a single girl who's still working her way out of debt, has saved and paid off well over $116,000 in the last five years on a single income. Wow. Uh, my own brother, who completely <laughs> didn't believe in any of this stuff, made fun of me for <laughs> because this. Because you're it's his impossible. brother and, right. and you can't possibly know anything. Yeah. <laughs> Not only has Ryan and his wife and his family become debt free, he is now sending his kids through college completely debt free and they're doing it on their own, not with their help. And on top of that, he now works for our company and helps us spread this message. Wow. Yeah. And then I've got Amber, who's up in Canada, completely different country. And she became debt free within 20 months. So wow. go listen to this podcast. These are normal people. We sit around campfires. We have fun. We do family things. Like we're just a, a bunch of normal people, just like all of you. And uh, we're just doing this money stuff differently. So if you're looking for just a new path, a path that's going to provide hope and a lot less stress, uh, go check it out. Uh, you will not be disappointed. I'm going to say it again, because I believe in it this month, this much. If you are under a load of debt right now, go sign up. And I mean, go sign up this week. It's that important. And for those of you who are like, I think I can figure this out. Let me just be honest with you. If you could have figured this out, you would have figured it out already. 
You yeah. need a team of people to support you, as Brad has described, to hold you accountable, which is exactly what they're going to do for you. I needed that. My wife needed that. We all need that whenever we're struggling with worry and uh, debt. So go sign up. And I mean it. Go sign up this week because you cannot be unbeatable when life throws you a curveball if you're already under a crushing load of debt. So Brad, thanks, man. Thank you for helping the unbeatable army. That's what we call them around here. The unbeatable army be financially free and ready for whatever life throws their way. Yeah, you're welcome, Jeff. Thanks for having me on, man. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, man. And we'll see you around. Take care. I'm just going to say it one more time. If you are under a crushing load of debt, don't wait. And I mean this with all seriousness. Today, go check out DebtFreeDad.com or The Real Debt Free Dad. Because what Brad is offering you is a opportunity to be unbeatable and you cannot, I'll say it again, you cannot be unbeatable if you're already under a crushing load of debt. When life throws something your way, there's no way you can handle it. I want to just thank Brad and thank you for being a guest on this episode of Unbeatable. Brad was my guest that I interviewed. And for the guests that are checking out this episode for the first time, maybe you stumbled across this podcast. Thank you for checking us out. If you really like this episode, if you heard some things that really got you fired up, why don't you go ahead and subscribe either on YouTube or on any of those podcast platforms out there. I want to remind the Stitcher audience that Stitcher is about to go away. And if you haven't already done it, why don't you go ahead and make the switch to Apple's podcast, to Audible, to Spotify, or jump over to the video on YouTube because Stitcher is about to go away in just a couple of weeks. I have a free resource, and this is for people who have just been punched in the gut by life. We call it the Unbeatable Army Survival Guide. And if life has just hit you hard, I will give it to you totally free. It's a PDF download, and you don't need to do anything but just simply jump over to unbeatablearmy.com, and I'll give this to you. But I'll also send you some content and some resources all week long. We'll deliver some motivational thoughts to your inbox when you become part of the Unbeatable Army. We've got amazing people tuned in and watching all over the world or listening from their cars all over the United States and around the world. And one of those amazing people is Elizabeth Keenan. Elizabeth, thank you for being a fan of the show. You are so awesome that you are our fan of the week this week. So this is my way of giving you a big virtual high five. Thank you, Elizabeth for tuning in and for staying so connected with us, not just during an episode, but online during the week. Thanks you guys for tuning in. I hope Brad's story and Brad's offer to help you get financially healthy was inspiring. And I'll see you right back here next week. God bless.